In the talk with you this evening, I would like to uh, speak about meditation, both uh, with and uh, without uh, object. Just with regard to the overview for a moment or two, that in the uh, overview sometimes we notice and become familiar with a variety of uh, uh, contemplative meditative traditions and within those meditative traditions there's a different kind of emphasis which takes place and so some use very uh, uh, strictly and rather determinedly um, objects as a, a priority which one cultivates and uh, develop. And sometimes, in some of the traditions, the uh, encouragement as well is to bring, in a clear way, the heartfulness as well into the meditation. And the obvious thing that would come to mind would be devotional forms of meditation in which a mantra is used, and uh, the mantra uh, is the name of God and through the cultivation of that it gains access to the heart one uh, nourishes a, and develops a relationship a devotional uh, relationship and the mantra serves as the vehicle as, as, as uh, a means towards feeling or being uh, closer uh, with that God there is also in the various uh, traditions uh, as well uh, rather similar purpose, visualization and meditation and the uh, development of these kind of uh, meditations not only of course encourage creativity from within but also help uh, through their practice to uh, enlarge the sense of the heart Tibetan Mahayana tradition is certainly well known for this and therefore the visualization of Buddhas, of Bodhisattvas help to cultivate and develop and nourish uh, deeper, uh, lovelier qualities inside of one love, kindness, uh, association with um, that which is uh, deep and meaningful in the range and variety as well of meditation also include meditations which have a very strong and specific emphasis on concentrating on a particular uh, place or point. And that might be, as an example, the rise and fall of the abdomen, or the tip of the nose, or uh, an inner light, or whatever. And in those kinds of meditations, it contributes to an absorption of the mind, uh, a, a focus, a state of concentrated uh, mind, and in that it can reduce considerably a great number of the thoughts um, um, speculative uh, mental activity and through the power of such uh, concentration on an uh, object on a particular light or um, breath or whatever um, mind uh, can enter into what can be referred to as a samadhi as a, as a, as a present as a focus and in a rather concentrated state. 
the uh, range and varieties of meditations also, and as we have been touching upon here together, also do expand uh, out as well. And in the uh, instructions uh, with you, and some reference was made uh, as well with the uh, inquiry, that there is the uh, opening out of the field of awareness and heightening and maximizing uh, uh, receptivity. To some degree, in uh, uh, Zen tradition, uh, this is teachings on this are where Chikantaza, where one just sits, just to sit and just to be, and in just uh, sitting and be, being, the mind isn't deliberately turning its attention uh, uh, anywhere, and it's to understand and to realize uh, the significance of what that is. In another rather parallel tradition as well, in the Dzogchen tradition, um, where again there's uh, emphasis again on uh, the meditation, but a meditation which isn't focusing on an object. Not specifically picking out uh, something, and once again as a contribution to maximizing one's uh, awareness and receptivity. And of course the parallel uh, takes place here as well, in which we use the language here of a stressless awareness. That uh, state of awareness, the state of being, in which one is receptive to whatever reveals itself. Those kinds of meditation, that means meditation with an object, and meditation which is non-selective, not choosing an object, one has to see and explore much as possible through one's own experience uh, of one, of the other, and again of the relationship between between the two. In speaking of the uh, speaking of the first, when you and I pick an object out in the world, out of the world, we highlight it. We, in the moment of doing it, might be important and beneficial, but we, as it were, draw it out of the field of existence. We pull it out. And the attention which goes to a particular pulls something out. And it makes it, in that moment, more important or separate from anything else. And sometimes that's quite intentional. And we say, oh, I want to focus my attention on this, whatever it is. And in the moment of focusing our attention on something, everything else, all the multiple diversities of life, uh, recede into the background. Or, or they come in, and we don't want them to come in, um, treated as a, we call it a distraction. So there is our life going by, and every day in our life, you and I um, uh, voluntarily, at times, choose to focus on something. Therefore, all other things matter less. And when other things come in, just to repeat myself, it can seem like it's a disturbance or a distraction or whatever. The moment we pick out something, our life, as it were, enters into it. It enters into a relationship with it. And so, when we pick out something, it also picks out us. 
it picks out our quality of mind, our state of mind, it picks out ourselves, it picks out, as it were, who we are. So when, a, when I focus on something, in a way, it brings, as it were, me out of myself. It brings me out. And in that, we begin to know who we are. In meditation, as far as instructions go, it's for the most part, it's voluntary. It's voluntary. Voluntary, say, it's with encouragement. Please focus on the breath. Make that the object. Please focus on the body. Please focus on the listening or whatever. And when we begin to focus on something, as it were, not only does it come into our awareness, but the rest of us comes in with it. And what is the rest of us? And so it brings in our intentions, it brings in our attitude, it brings in our feelings, it brings in our thoughts, it brings in all the kind of makeup of our mind begins to come in, in various ways, in what you and I give attention to in life, for better or worse. And we see this with our, the objects that we pick out. We pick out the breath, as I say, we pick out the walking, we pick out the standing, or whatever. You put your attention to it, you take a, an interest uh, in it, and much else which goes on. What else which is going on matters as much as your attention to the object. So you say, I choose to be with this, but the circumstances are forces me to take notice of other things as well. And sometimes in life, and many times in life, it's not actually voluntary. So, you think of the number of situations where uh, something has affected you in your life, has affected us in our life, and we've had to focus on it. Anyone any time this evening, you could get a phone call. And in a moment, everything of the retreat is finished, and you're out. Why are you out? Because you've got to focus on, on the content of that phone call. And the content of that phone call could go for days, weeks, months, years. Can you, can you, can you imagine me over 20 years and over uh, 500 retreats, how much how many different kinds of views that I've had, to, I've had to break to people on retreat. Anything, you name that, I've had to break the news. And so suddenly, there's a, a tension. And then in the uh, tension, it's something that has come to us, totally, as it, were, as it were, out of the blue. But what does it come to? It comes to our mind. And sometimes it comes to our mind through our body, health issues. So here's this world where, you, where we, as it were, go out to the world of things, of items, of events, and correspondingly and equally, the world comes to us. And our existence is bound up with that. And we're trying try to say, what is the liberation in all of this? 
Where is the freedom in it? Incredible thing to ask. Can't take it for granted. And sometimes, of course, as you and I go through our day-to-day life, sometimes things come to us in life. The thought never had never even crossed the mind. And yet, we, you and I, have to deal with it, for better or worse. And similarly, not only what comes to us, but any interaction, what comes out from us to the world, we have to deal with it, or the consequences of it. And sometimes, in the small thing, of the small action and the small decision, the consequence can be for years. Years. And you see, sometimes you think, what a strange thing it is to be living in the world where one does something rather small and innocuous or whatever, and one had no idea of the end result. What are the people's lives when they pick out six lottery numbers? And then the tragedy happens. <laughs> they win the lottery. What it does to their existence. What it does to the mind. We've got now X numbers of millions of whatever. Or the person who's just come out of a relationship, out of a, out of a marriage. And then has a lover. And then is HIV. I've had this story a few times now over the last decade. It wasn't permissive. wasn't, wasn't leading a, 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 an unaware life in, in these things. Just one person. In a state of unknowing. One act. And then having to live with the consequences. How could this happen? One, one little thing, and then all of this to deal with is the flow on from it. So sometimes there's that which comes out from us, sometimes there's that to, that comes to us, and we could feel like at times to be kind of wedged in between. There is the self on the receiving end of others, through their approval and their disapproval, their likes and their dislikes towards us, their praise and their blame towards us, their approval and their disapproval, their giving and their taking. Sometimes it seems like we're just on the receiving end of the world that goes on around us. All the self seems to be on the receiving end of what, as it were, coming up in our mind. And the poor old self is kind of stuck there hammered from one side when things are difficult in the inner inner life, or hammered from the other, or even worse, hammered from both. Or sometimes it's going very, very well, and lovely things are coming to one, and one is happy and grateful for it, and the mind is happy and content, and enjoying the day, and enjoying uh, existence, and it's flowing beautifully and freely. And sometimes you can even feel good. Can even be on the receiving end of happiness. Just, is that where I am? Is that, my, is that what it is? Is that the reality? There is the self. What comes from out? 
what comes from within and getting on with it as the best we can. And it would look like, looking that way, oh God, freedom, it's this loopy idea. How could there be any, any, any freedom having to get one or get, or get the other? So our kind of uh, view of our existence, both uh, inwardly and, uh, and outwardly, seems to have a kind of um, duality to it. This, the self, this is who I am, this is what I am. I am at times an effect. Things coming to me and they affect me, so I am an effect of what's going on around me. I am an effect of my past. Am I just an effect? Poh. Am I a cause? Because I start things. I say something to somebody else and that starts off something. And I go here and I start that off and I begin this. So is, is it that my, my self who I am, but living in this world, all that I am is, well, a cause or an effect. And that's who I am. And sometimes I'm so unsure, I'm not sure if I'm on the giving end or the receiving end. I'm not sure if I'm a cause or if I'm an effect. And sometimes what goes on in the mind and relationship to it, if we look carefully at the mind, means feelings and thoughts and emotions and perceptions and memories, etc. A tremendous amount of the concern and a tremendous amount of the involvement in it is around causes and effects. You've been here a few days and you're take a little uh, note of anything that's been going on that's been mattering to you. Self is in there because it can't bear to be anywhere else but in the centre of existence. <laughs> and with it, various thoughts, feelings and moods, etc. around the, this cause and effect. And when we just hear that, and we just listen to it, my God, is that what I am? Cause and effect? Is that, or it's something that doesn't, well, it's for me, it doesn't quite ring true. It doesn't seem quite final somehow. Even if I kind of relate to everything that goes on, Every time I view something, every time I have an opinion about something, every time I make a judgment about something, every time I think up something or speak about something, that's so much is cause and effect. All this we call mind. Mind. M-I-N-D. But it's not even that, it's M-Y space M-I-N-D My mind What's happening to me? 
What's affecting me? What am I causing? What's that? <laughs> What's causing that? <laughs> How is that affecting us? <laughs> Messages from nature somewhere. So everything comes in this kind of viewing. And in the, in the viewing of cause and effect and the fascination with it, it's still a selection. I'm still engaged in picking out. Think of Anything which you and I fasten onto, we say, um, meditation is so difficult. So meditation becomes the cause. The effect is so difficult. Um, we say, trying to be with the breath. It's really so hard. So the breath makes it, so we say, hard for the mind. So everything we take up, the mind enters into the relationship, and we see in this term, I'm labouring the, the point a little bit, but just to uh, communicate it over with you. What's the way out? If there is liberation, if there's something authentic about liberation, liberation must be liberation in a realised understanding from what? From living in cause and effect. I said, oh no, come on. No evidence for this. There's death. What's the, co- the cause for death? Well, it could put anything. But basically, birth. <laughs> it didn't start off at one end, we wouldn't have to travel down to the other. So we pick out something, we pick out this, we pick out that, and sometimes we, we don't think like that, and we say, oh, the, the cause for death is um, growing old, or getting sick, or heart failure, or, or uh, uh, cancer, or being unmindful when we drive, or um, somebody didn't like us, or what, 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 whatever it might be. And we can say, yes, yes, it's all you know, relative truth in all, all, all of that, but there's so many other factors also which contributing to, as it were, causing of death. So we look around and we say, look, my eyes tell me everybody is coming into this world, as Russell was saying last night, Within a hundred years, probably, we'll be gone. We take a few breaths on this earth and then we, and then it's au revoir. And so it it seems like everybody's living in the imprisonment, in fact, and in the very harsh reality of birth and death. I am growing old. I am changing. I am like this. This affects me and then I will die. But what if we were to raise, not intellectually obviously, because it's a complete waste of time and existence, but actually raise, does it have to be 
the final truth of things for me. Because it has to be the only reality. And sometimes all of that conventionality I am this, I'm the cause of this, I'm the effect of this, this started with this and now it ends up like this. There is, as we touched upon in the inquiry uh, this afternoon, some rather remarkable capacity to actually bring, as it were, the body of awareness to it. It's got to be whispering, telling us something more than perhaps what we appreciate. There I am as a human being, I'm living out my life, and if there's space in the allotment behind me, and get buried there, whoever, you know, I, you, or whatever. And I can be, I can see that, I can be aware of it. I can actually make my existence an object of my interest. It's incredibly significant. I can make my existence my whole existence on this extraordinary thing called life, an object of my interest. I can make it such an object of my interest that I can feel it, I can think about it, I can feel it, I can talk about it, I can write about it, I can attend to it, I can do things about it, I can change it, I can make it better, I can work, I can make it a real object of interest. I have an awareness which allows me to bring that awareness to all that's going on with me. I can be aware of the influence of addictions and chemical patterns, I can be aware of the way the mind influences the body and the body influences the mind. I can be aware of the the range and variety of sensations that are going on. I can be aware of the depth of feelings, of deep samadhi, of extraordinary mystical states, of profound silence, of tremendous stillness, of extraordinary creativity, dreadful anguish, of being in hell, of feeling as high as a kite. God, I can be aware of the whole spectrum of my existence. I can make my existence what? An object of my interest. I can talk about it in the inquiry, I can talk about it in the one-to-one, I can talk about myself in a small group, and if I talk about anything else, then I'll just begin to yawn. So, the very thing of it, that something is selected, it is pulled out of the field of existence, it's called myself. And that is brought, in these circumstances, to the foreground. That's almost to do that as some people do all the time in other environments, you'd be regarded when nobody would talk to you after a while. God, all they ever do is talk about themselves. 
They can't talk about anything else but themselves. There are people like this, wandering around. It's called humanity. And there's something they can't see. They can't have any other object unless it's themselves. And you see, gosh, people only just talk about themselves all the time, really. It is too much. Here it's accepted and tolerated. And if it was the other way around, we would wonder what are they avoiding. So here in this environment, we say morning, noon, and night, you are making, in so many words, your existence the object of your awareness. Your whole existence, all of it, subtle and gross, ugly and beautiful, refined and thick, whatever it might be, it's an object to attend to. And this object which we attend to, we say, ah, it's born, it persists in the field of time, and it dies. What is happening in this object that the self, in going to it as an object, thinks itself is its object? In other words, there is the bodily life, it's an object of interest, the self, the eye arises, and something goes on in that awareness and that consciousness, that it seems to land on in the object, so to speak. And it becomes identified with it. What does happen? Why do we do that? Why do, why do we say, I am sitting here? How is it that the I went to this, selected it out from everything else, and said, I am sitting here? Why doesn't it go to the bell? and say, I am ringing every 45 minutes. You know, I am this little red light flashing up and down. Why did that's an object of interest? There's an awareness of it. It's in the field of awareness. And yet the eye doesn't land on it and say, I am a lousy Sony tape recorder. Why doesn't it? Why not? So something goes on here. Why is it that when we cut our nails, we don't, and, 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 or we cut our hair, and wherever we put it, down the toilet over, say, oh my God, I'm being flushed down the toilet. <laughs> why not? Because it's of ourself. Part of ourself, and now we're separating one part of ourself from another, why do we say, well, this is still part of myself, but that's no longer part of myself, so I can throw that down the toilet? Why not do it the other way around? <laughs> Leave the clipping of the nails and the hair behind and jump down the toilet. <laughs> strange, mind is strange thing. So something goes on, which it holds on to, but it's quite happy to cut bits off. <laughs> then why, why, why is the one filled with 
sadness every time one sits on the toilet. <laughs> one is losing a part of oneself. It's a incredible separation. Never to see it again. Same thing. Why don't why don't we feel why why don't we have bereavement ceremonies for this loss? Strange mind is strange. Self arises and he wants to keep, but it's happy to let go. Happy to do without or whatever. And if people are not doing it, you know, whatever, we feel uncomfortable for them, you know. Nails are growing out six foot or they've been constipated for ten days or something. Strange thing, mind it, it, it holds, it, it, it takes an object and it keeps it, but it doesn't really keep it because it's constantly amending it by the nature. And sometimes, of course, the, the attachment and the difficulty with all that, it, you know, extends, extends, extends itself, itself uh, uh, further. And there's been, as some of you will know, um, concern about the um, 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 various things that people do to the body. Made it an object, the self has come in, it feels very dissatisfied with it, it identifies with it, it then it's constantly trying to, to improve it. You know, we have, you know, facelifts and various op- operations on, on part, parts of the body, etc. Something is, 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 is going on. There's some feeling of lack of something, yet the body is just the body, and that lack wants to improve, replace, and then the consequences of it. You know, obviously, I'm coming down from amongst a small minority of women, it can be very painful, of course, with, with breast implants. What, what, what is going on? And a friend of mine in living in Southern California made a rather, uh, well, a rather tragic, rather ironic remark. He said, if you go on some of the beaches outside L.A., he said to me, probably one in three women seem to have had a breast plant, breast plant, breast transplant. <laughs> and he says, you can tell because the breasts are permanently to attention. Even when the women are lying on their back, the breasts are up and to attention. Far better quality of attention than anybody <laughs> Can you just see body as body? Just see it as that. With and therefore, respectfully, of course, but with the same respect that we give to anything else. In other words, we don't keep pulling it out of existence and giving it some unique relationship to self. Just something has gone on in the eye and in the my over a period of time which has got used to it. And we're saying, let's get unused to this. Let's see body as body. No withdrawal, no alienation, it's far the opposite. That's more likely to create a problem. It's actually an awareness of it as an uh, object of attention. To be cared for, it's out of the nature, it belongs to the nature, it belongs to organic life, to be respectful, to be, but to be beautifully care about it. 
What would be the relationship which is respectful and acknowledging to the whole bodily life and organic life and it simply wasn't regarded as mine? What would be the relationship then? What would happen to fear? if there was no clinging and possessiveness. Can there be fear without clinging, without holding and without possessiveness, without something going on in which, as I said before, the object of attention becomes the self? Life would feel differently. Feel differently. Death would feel differently. Aging would feel differently. Things which matter to us would feel differently. Why? Because we just see one thing very well and very clearly. If we see this well and clearly, it's enough to see for one life. Just one thing clearly. And our meditations, of course, are an encouragement, obviously, for that to happen. Why? So that we can see objects as objects. Why? For liberation. And just using this as one object, you know, could take many others, obviously. And in the freedom which this offers, and which makes available to us, the deep sense, which is the all-important one, the deep sense is one self doesn't feel to be a prisoner of cause and effect. You know, one knows one's liberation, one knows one's freedom in life, because one doesn't feel. So it's not a question of thought or good idea or intellectualizations or anything like that. One doesn't feel to be a prisoner in cause and effect. Even the passage of birth, moving through moment to moment, day to day, uh, decade to decade to death, one doesn't feel to be a prisoner in that movement. Why? One knows, one has looked carefully enough and well enough that this body is an object of interest. Not me, not myself, not who I am. Not me, not myself, not who I am. And we can have the potential to see that as clearly with the same authority we say, this tape recorder is not me, not myself, not who I am. This watch is not me, not myself, not who I am. We know that. This bell is not me, not myself, not who I am. This body is not me, not myself, not who I am. It's that which comes into the field of awareness. What would it be to know it that clearly? What? What? what, what liberating change in view there would be of life. Just to know it. It's not that we say, oh, well, it's not me, not myself, who I am. Oh, therefore, I'll just throw the bell out the window and uh, kick the tape recorder. No, no, one is still respectful, but one knows something which is liberating. If we don't know, it can be, can be a bit of a nightmare in the last journey of life or in times of ill health, or in times of uncertainty, uh, or all those cause-effect syndromes that we explore so much.
And that applies to objects called thoughts, objects called the arising of emotions, objects called sounds which are coming to us. And that's where we, we say, please, please, be steady in all of this. Steady so that the grasping of the self isn't that doesn't have that characteristic. Just steady so the self isn't grasping. And it's non-grasping, it's there's a genuinely liberating sense about it. Then we really are in accordance with nature. <laughs> nature just says, look, it's so big and it's so diverse that and so many um, such a large unfoldment going on. It's just madness, madness for the mind to grasp onto anything. And therefore, we free, we liberate the mind, we liberate the mind from that madness. And that brings its own uh, joy and love and, and uh, happiness. May all beings live with awareness. May all beings see into objects. May all beings uh, know a free and enlightened life. So let's have a couple of quiet minutes together, please. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.